Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. What's going on, folks? Monday, May 20th, 2019, episode 201 and a half of the Anik and Florian Podcast, if you want to call it that. If you're actually listening to this right now, it's miraculous that I was able to figure this out while TJ DeSantis is on vacation. Uh, We'll run a little best of episode today. We'll run back our Michael Bisping interview. That was from the time when he announced his retirement. Of course, Michael Bisping will be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame coming up July 5th. So we thought that was particularly timely. Uh, But what you're going to hear right now is the first Ray Longo minute from April 9th, 2015. I believe that was episode one. And, of course, we talk on this show a lot about having the foresight to add the great Ray Longo to this program every single week. And and he's been with us probably 199 out of the 201 episodes thus far. But I want you to listen back to the first Ray Longo minute. Uh, You'll certainly hear less cussing out of me, among other things. But uh, enjoy. Uh, Hope everybody has a good week. Enjoy the fights. Obviously, we'll be back in fine form Memorial Day, Monday, May 27th. uh, And we will get you ready for UFC Fight Night. Alexander Gustafson, Anthony Smith. We'll talk to you in a week. Enjoy. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. And it is now time for the Ray Longo Minute, John Anna Kenny Florian Podcast, Episode 1 of We Hope is More Than 2 for this podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. but there's so many great people in the mixed martial arts world, but I always said if I ever get the opportunity to do my own podcast, Ray Longo is going to be a part of it, and he is one of the best cornermen and coaches the sport has ever seen. And Ray Longo joins us now live 
from the East Coast. Ray, thank you so much for joining us, man. How you doing? No, anytime. And thanks for the uh, great introduction. I really, really appreciate that. That's the truth, man. I mean, how good is that freaking voice right there? Are you kidding me? I mean, you got a couple, of, a couple of Boston guys hanging out in L.A., and all we wanted to do was call our favorite New Yorker. So, Ray, obviously, you know, a lot going on for you uh, right now in the UFC. Of course, Ally Quinta coming off a big win over Jorge Masvidal. And I first want to ask you sort of a general question. When you have a fight like that that's pretty close, or maybe even just a dominant victory in which your guy wins, what are your habits when it comes to re-watching the fights? I mean, do you go home and re-watch the fights right away or not necessarily? Well, I'll tell you, normally I, I always rewatch the fights. This one in particular, only because there was a uh, little controversy and a lot of people thought Jorge won and a lot of people thought Al won. And it almost, it was definitely a very close fight. And I really just wanted to see for myself. I just got to watch it uh, the other night because uh, for some reason we forgot to DVR it when we left for Virginia. And uh, it really was. It was a close fight, but I really looked at rounds two and three, and of course I'm going to be biased, but I really thought, Al, if anything significant happened in rounds two or three, I thought it was Iaquinta. And, you know, at the end of the day, man, that kid tried to finish fights, and and I, I think it's a loss for Masvidal either way, because if he wants to be a champion, he showed no characteristics of just going for it. And, you know, the big boss... He likes when you finish fights, and I know Kenny used to make a make his thing. You know, I finish fights, and he did finish fights. I think that's what people loved about Kenny, and I think this kid really, really tried to push that fight. And whoever won or lost that fight, it was a close fight. I I agree with what the two judges said, and you know, I'm sure there's people that disagree, but I thought he pushed out that fight. Ray, thank you, my man. First of all, it's great, great talking to you, and uh, you know. What did you think about, you know, obviously Al was very upset, and did, did you talk to him after it about what he said to the fans? You know, I know he was, uh, you know, listen, it, for anyone who's prepared for a fight, so much pride, so many hours go into preparing for a fight, and you worked up, I mean, the kid fought his ass off, you know, came back from a tough first round, and to hear fans boo, I know he was heartbroken, but did you talk to him about what he said after? Uh, you know what? Look, I think uh, I think it's a characteristic of being from New York. I mean, we wear our hearts on our sleeves. And yeah. I thought it was a, a his genuine personality that he really, you know, you know, fought his ass off. And I think what you saw was was his self expression. Nothing scripted. No bullshit. This is how I feel, and that's how he articulated it. And uh, I think you know people really respond to that because it was a genuine emotion. It was no bullshit. Nobody wrote the lines for him. That's what he felt. That's what he gave. And, you know, it's, it's co coincidental that I'm on with you two guys because I feel like in the last week I had two of my fighters terrified of both of you. Now, you know, choke flying, uh, poor John Anik in the ring. And then poor Kenny going to listen to Weidman's first date story. Like, is, <laughs> Did you see that, Ray? It was you know, unbelievable. Oh, look, man. Let me tell you something. The look on both of your faces was similar. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I apologize, I'm going to apologize for the both of them. I think it was <laughs> poor Kenny Flory. You might never be the same. <laughs> I'm, having, I'm, I'm having nightmares for the last week. 
Yeah, you might never throw anything in the trash can again. <laughs> but, and I'm t- that's a true story. That's not the first time I heard I, it. I just hope I don't have a daughter. That's a, that's a, you know. Oh my God, unbelievable! Unbelievable! Oh, that was that was a classic. But that's what you got to love about him. He's telling the story. He's not sugarcoating nothing. Al no Quint is not sugarcoating nothing. And they both, you know, that's who they are. That's how they. You know, that's again, it's a, a true form of self-expression, and Weidman's not holding back on the story. I mean, it, it's it's just all good stuff. These guys are great guys to be around. They truly work their asses off. And uh, you know, getting back to your original question, I mean, after the fight, I said, Al, I had you win in second, the second and third round. You know, try to keep it under control. I mean, that that, that was really it. Do your interviews. You know, man up. You know, I want you to be a professional. I don't mind you expressing yourself. But definitely, you know, you have to talk to the press. I think it's part of the job. I mean, it's what those guys get paid to do, right. good or bad. And uh, he did. He really responded well. And, and it's working out great for him. I think he, he probably, you know, has another 10,000 followers because of his... <laughs> uh, his speech, and unfortunately, I didn't want John Anik to be there. I was ready to jump in, John, if anything happened. I just want you know, I had your back. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was like a genuine response, but I still wanted him to do some interviews and to go to the press conference and to just learn how to deal with that. And that's all part of the growth of being a, a professional athlete. you got to take the good with the bad and, you know, let the people know what you felt. You were, you were sincerely hurt, and I think it was such an honest expression of emotions from that kid that yeah. I think that's why we love him. And, and you know what? Most of the fighters that, you know, were tweeting have him winning the fight. So right. well, who cares what anybody says? It's that you're there. I mean, if I want to hear criticism, I want to hear it from a fighter, not from an armchair general right. that's sitting back and, you know, pontificating as to, you know, who landed more jabs. It's bullshit. The fight is saw it Al's way. From what I could read on Twitter, and that's that's really, I think, what he should hang his hat on. Yeah, and you know, Brian Stan and I thought it was a, a close fight. Our call reflected that. I think what surprised me, Ray, was the fact that this was a very pro Iaquinta crowd. So normally, when you have that type of crowd reaction after a decision, it's because the guy they were rooting for doesn't get the decision. So I think maybe that triggered part of the emotion in Al because here he had this seemingly supportive crowd, and then when he wins the decision, which was a very close fight according to most observers. Uh, there was yes. just this avalanche of booze, so I think we were all just sort of caught off guard you, by that reaction. You know, I think, oh, I hate to have people, you know, it's funny, I was I was fighting two fights because my wife is Cuban, so I had my in-laws and my wife rooting against me in that fight, so it was uh, it was pretty tough, but she, she said there was a, a lot of Spanish people she was sitting around, so I think he had his fair share of supporters there for sure. Uh, Ray, you know... Yeah. There was one judge, uh, obviously Doug Crosby. There, you know, there's been some talk about, you know, you guys having a history or whatever. You know, wh- first of all, were you surprised that he got the nod to judge the fight, and, and were you aware that he was going to judge the fight prior to it going down? No, well, I was, uh, I was informed uh, maybe an hour or two before, but I mean, I want to, I really want to make this point clear. I really don't have a problem with my. I'm not saying I like him as a judge, but. There was a girl in the gym who had a court order against this guy for three years, reviewed and executed by two separate judges, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote a letter to the gym, had his nephew drop it off about what a piece of crap I am. I don't know what I'm doing as a coach. I'm this, I'm that. Why would he put his ass in that chair to judge that fight? That is the thing. It has nothing to do with me and him. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he scored that fight for Ally Quinta. I really want to make this point really as strong as I can. He should not. He should have recused himself from that position. 
He really should have. I mean, he knows that there's some issues there. Why would you do that? I wouldn't want to judge one of his fights. I'd have to say that, and I can't. Right. You know, so the fact that he got in there, I think there needs to be some reform on the judges. And, you know, do you have a problem with this guy? Is this that? Do you have a relationship? Are you eating dinner with this guy? I think even the opponents want to know. You know, I mean, I don't right. want, you know, there's a, there's a girl in my gym who's a judge for New Jersey. I wouldn't let her near any of my fights. Don't yeah. you, you ever, anything, you recuse yourself, and that's it. Bottom line, it's not, I don't think there's a trainer around. I mean, I don't want my guy fighting somebody who, you know, this guy got in a movie part, or he's been talking to, you know, via text message. I just think it's unfair. has nothing to do. He's mad at me because I don't want him judging my fighters' fights because of those reasons. I don't care what this guy does. It has nothing to do with that. I don't care what the score of the fight was. He should have never been in that position. Yeah, well, happy to give you a platform to, to make that very important point, and hopefully it will affect change going forward. Uh, only have a few more minutes with you, Ray. I do want to ask you about Chris Weidman. When did you realize that, that you might have something special and a potential UFC champion on your hands? I mean, it really, look, this is true. I think I've said it before. I mean, the second, I mean, it was within months of him entering into the gym. He was such a uh, a prodigy, and he just took to everything that he was being showed so quick. And he, and not only that, it's not only physically, mentally he was right there, the way he coaches people, the way he understands it. So when you have a guy that's physically gifted and mentally gifted, that that's a real tough combo to beat. You know? And uh, I, I, I think I knew that in a real short period of time. I never saw anything like him. I really didn't. At the time I saw him, I was like, you know, even for a wrestling guy, the first day I saw him on his back, Kenny, I mean, his leg work was phenomenal, beautiful hips. I mean, what wrestler even wants to go to his back? Yeah. I mean, this guy had huge, I mean, this is early on. I mean, he was uh, he was phenomenal. So I did know it early on, and again, he's a strong-minded guy, very big for the weight class, great reach, great mind. I mean, I can't say enough about Chris Weidman, he's, uh, I think he's, and he's proven it, too. Ray, obviously one of the more anticipated fights here in 2015 is Chris Weidman against Vitor Belfort, but Vitor received a lot of criticism for allegedly not accepting an interim title fight against Gegard Mousasi in Los Angeles. Not a lot of people understand sort of the backstory that maybe Henry Hooft had a role in in not having Vitor accept that fight because he was going to be unable to train him during key point. But what was your reaction uh, when Vitor ultimately decided to wait for Chris? Well, I mean, I was happy that there was no interim belt. I, yeah. I don't think, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to see uh, Chris lose a belt just because he got injured, you know, trying to do the right thing and working hard. So you know, I was happy that the fight's going to go down the way it was. I don't think they should have stripped Chris of his title. I don't think there should have been an interim title. And I'm happy that Chris gets to prove, uh, you know, that he's the champion at 185 against Vito Belfort. And, you know, he didn't take the fight. Nothing happened to him. And I think it's it's all good. You know, we've seen sort of an evolution of the corner man in modern-day mixed martial arts. There are so many great ones like yourself, but I think, unfortunately, too many that really aren't great, and they're not clear, they're not concise, there's no directive in between rounds. Obviously, you've gotten a lot of accolades for your ability to sort of, you know, compel your fighters to do what you want them to do. Is there anybody else in the corners that you maybe admire from afar that you feel like really do a nice job in those critical minutes in between rounds? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch. I don't want to start going through everybody. Yeah. I'll leave somebody out. But I mean, I'll tell you, I used to like uh, Kenny's guy, Mark Delagrati. Obviously, me and Mark are good friends. But I thought Mark was always passionate in the corner, and I always thought he gave very good advice. And uh, there's been a couple other guys 
I'd have to think. But, you know, I love Javier Mendez. I like guys that just tell the truth. That's it, really what it comes down to. Really tell the people what they are. We, I don't know what fight it was. Uh, I think Matt calls up. He goes, why are they telling this guy it's urgent? I'm not yeah. sure if it was... Uh, it might actually have been the LaFleur fight. I'm not really sure if they, there was a sense of urgency in that corner. He was definitely down 4-1, to one, but I'm not sure if it was that one or some other fight that right. he called. He goes, I can't believe there's just no urgency. Like, right. there comes a time when, you know, even with Al, I mean, I remember in the second round of the Moscow fight, I can't believe this guy is letting us back in the fight. Right. I mean, you hurt the guy in the first round at the end. Not at the beginning, at the end. You don't come out guns blazing at the beginning of the second round. He let out right back in that fight. And at the, you know, in between rounds, we told him, dude, it's down to the third round, period. I mean, you got to go for it. We want you pushing. But this is it. And he went for it, man. I thought he responded beautifully to that, you know. But, you know, I think uh, I just like guys that lay it on the line and they're, and they're honest. Uh, that, that's what I look for in the corner. And, and can they motivate the guy at the right time? But I, I think Mark used to do a great job with uh, with Kenny and everybody else he was training. Ray Longo joining us live on the John and Kenny Florian podcast. We want to quickly, before we let you go, go to Brandon from Oregon on line one. Brandon, you have a question for Ray Longo. Go ahead. First, I'd just like to uh, say I really appreciate uh, your cornering. I actually will go back on Fight Pass and watch your guys' fights and listen to just your and uh, Sarah in the corner because that's fucking gold. Oh, sorry, I don't know if this is a swear. It's gold. And then my question for you is, uh, outside of the fighters that you train, who are, like, three of the top stand-up fighters in the UFC? Uh, well, I'll tell you, obviously, Anderson Silva has to be one of them. I like him. I like uh, Donald Cerrone. Um, and I like, uh, I really enjoy watching Machina fight. Hmm. Hey, Brandon, thanks so much for calling in. Ray, I'm going to let you go on this. Are you a big New York sports fan? And if so, it, what, what is your favorite New York sports team? Listen, I'm, as of this point, my mind, I actually am just on, uh, on mixed martial arts. But when I was young, I was a huge Giant fan, huge Nick, huge Nick fan. And I'm talking about Lawrence Taylor, Harry Carson, you know, Banks. I mean, that, that's about the last time I followed football, believe it or not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, basketball, you know. Frazier, Willis Reed, all yeah. of those guys. I mean, that, that's kind of, I, I know I'm dating myself and giving away my age, but I really used to love, love sports back then. And, uh, you know, I really just really focused too much on, not too much, but I focus a lot on MMA and I, I've luckily it's paid off for me, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's basically it. I, I used to love football, baseball, basketball, you know, was at Yankee stadium a hundred times watching playoff games when I was a kid. And, yeah. All of that good stuff, and uh, and that's it though. But uh, I have not, as of recently, I'm a little, I'm a little remiss in my uh, uh, being a fan of uh, some of the teams. I mean, I love them. I watch if they get in the playoffs. I'm always there watching. But up until that point, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, caught up in the MMA community. Ray, don't don't apologize for that. I'm, I'm the same way, man. So uh, <laughs> I'm right there yeah, with it's, you. It's, and I don't think your I don't it's, think it's, your fighters are complaining it's, about it either. No. Kenny, I don't want to uh, say anything, but the last baseball thing I remember was Buckner kicking that ball off. <laughs> oh, the wow. And, uh, <laughs> you went there. Yikes. And we have... I think that's the last memory I have. <laughs> hey, listen, it was a big 
fully a Strinsky fan, if that makes you feel better. Oh, uh, there we yeah, go. There we we, we go. appreciate that. No, my brothers won't even engage me in Boston Red Sox talk anymore because they think it's all UFC all the time, and they don't think I know what I'm talking about anymore. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. feel your pain. Hey, Ray Longo, thank you so much for the time, as always, and really appreciate you being a part of this podcast moving forward, and uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks, man. Thanks so much. Hey, I'm very excited, very excited for two guys that are truly gentlemen of this sport and are passionate what they do, and it shines through in their work. And I can't wait to uh, see you guys just do better and better. Ray, Thank you're you the so man. Much. Send Matt Sarah a hug for us. I will do. All right, Take man. it easy, guys. Ray Longo joining us live on the Anakin Florian podcast. That's a good man right there. And you know we like him if we're letting a New York guy on this podcast <laughs> right. between a couple of Bostonians. Only exception. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. In 2017 alone, more than 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 51% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you're riding in taxis and use ride-sharing services, too. Cops are also on the lookout and writing tickets, so why take the risk? In 2017 alone, seatbelts saved nearly 15,000 lives. So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Now joining us, the former UFC middleweight champion, one of the greatest to ever do it. The news broke on his podcast, Believe You Me, Michael Bisping officially announcing his retirement. And the great Michael Bisping now joins us. And Mike, we are so thrilled to have you for even just five minutes today. But dude, the outpouring of love from the MMA community after you announced this news on your podcast has been a sight to behold, and I'm not sure 10 years ago you thought that it would go this way when you retired. We just wanted to say off the top, you, you deserve every goddamn tweet sent your way, and we're very happy that it went down like this. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, first of all, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it was kind of crazy. Um, yeah, the, the messages, the support, it's just been insane. It really has. And I'm just truly, honestly, blown away by everything. Um yeah, it's weird, you know. I, I, I retire and then finally you get all this, uh, all, all this love and positivity, and I'm just, I'm really touched. I'm really blown away. It's incredible. Um, lost for words, we, we, which isn't often that you'll hear me say that, as I'm sure you know. But yeah, definitely lost for words. And um, I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody. My wife, first and foremost, she was always in my corner, always believed in me right from day one. If it wasn't for her. I, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, and that's a fact. My parents, my dad, my dad always supported me above everything. Drove me all over the country as a child. Been to every single one of my professional fights. My dad, uh, you know, everyone in the UK, all my friends. And of course, I've got to give a special mention to my coaches, Jason Perillo, Brady Fink, Darren Morris. And there's a few other people over the years as well. They, they know who they are. Um, but yeah, since I said it yesterday on my podcast, I am, I am blown away. I'm, I'm, I'm touched. It's, yeah, I'm lost for words. And thank you. Thank you to everybody that, uh, you know, said the nice comments. 
Well, it's hard to follow your career and not have respect for you, man. You've done some amazing things in and out of the octagon. I know you've been thinking about this decision for a very long time. I know it wasn't an easy thing for you. Do you have a plan moving forward of what you're going to be doing? Uh, is coaching in your future? I know you, you, you really enjoy doing acting. Um, what, what are the plans for Michael Bisping? Yeah, to be honest, um, I'm very, very busy. Uh, can you see me okay? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, then you can see how shitty that looks. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the eyeball was definitely one of the reasons why I retired. So and now I'm retired, I can get this fixed and hopefully not walk around looking like a fucking cyclone. <laughs> um, that's the reality of the situation. Um, yeah, tons of things going on outside of the uh, Octagon that I'm very excited about. I'm involved with a company called Playline. I'm out here in Connecticut right now. Uh, attending some big meetings. Um, I'm involved with a company called Timmy Coin. I've got UFC gyms. Uh, and, of course, I do a lot of acting as well. The acting is uh, where I'm putting a lot of my energy. Got a couple of big movies coming out next year. Got a movie coming out soon called Triple Threat. So, you know, I'm doing well in that side of things. Fighting has been an amazing platform for me. I am a fighter at heart. That's what I do. That's what I love to do. That's who I am. That's my identity. Uh, and I still... Still... You know, just saying it makes me sad, you know. Dana just called me before and he said, is this true, what I'm hearing? And I was like, I almost wanted to go back on it, you know, and, and try and dig, dig myself out of that tunnel, you know what I mean? Right. I'm like, uh, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe. I, I, I'll miss it. I truly will. I have achieved much more than I ever possibly dreamed of through mixed martial arts. I've made some amazing friends, some incredible friendships. Uh, I've changed as a person. I've grown as a person. I fought all over the world. I've given my family a good life, which is why I did this. Uh, I left school at 16 with not a lot of options, you know, and this has provided me with a platform to really make something of myself and reach my fullest ability. Um, you know, I'm here now. I'm involved with these different businesses. That would have never happened. People yeah, wouldn't yeah. have given me a shot. You know, I've been able to open doors. Uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for everything. Thankful to the UFC. Thankful for the friendships I've formed. And, uh, yeah, that's about it, I guess. You know, it, it's, it's very, very sad. Seeing all these messages come in on Twitter and things like that. Yeah, it was really sad. It was really sad. I was sat at the bar yesterday just having a quiet beer by myself and I could have almost shed a tear, honestly. So, uh, yeah. And who knows, maybe there'll be a tear or two along the way yet. But um, it's still very raw, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, it's sad. It's sad. You've just made such a profound impact. My twin brother couldn't give a rip about mixed martial arts and called me right away. I mean, you really have just had such an influence, I think, on a lot of, of UFC fans and American UFC fans, too. A lot of whom may be not unlike you hating me early, right? They didn't like you and they really grew to love you and respect you because you did it cleanly. And I just think that the outpouring of respect is something that, that you deserved. And as I sort of said off the top, there was a time, Mike, where maybe it wasn't going to play out this way. And the fact that you capped this whole thing with the, with the UFC championship is, is just incredible, man. It really is. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, listen, you, you know me. I'm not the deepest, most profound person. But <laughs> I guess, um, you know, 
I'm living proof that anybody with a dream that's willing to put the hard work in can achieve what they want to. You know, I mean, I, I want my—I tell my children this all the time. And any young kids listening, any aspiring martial artists, any aspiring aspiring artists, actors, businessmen, whatever it is, if you've got a dream, you've got a vision, and you're willing to put the hard work in and make the sacrifices, you can do anything you want to in this life. Jesus Christ, and I am living proof of that. Everybody wrote me off. Everyone said I couldn't do it. Everyone said I wasn't good enough. I started doing this when MMA in England, people hadn't even heard of it, yep. you know, but I had a dream, I had a vision and, you know, I made the most of it. So, listen, if I can do it, anyone can do it in their chosen field. So, you know, dream bigger, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I did. I always had my goals, my eyes set on this target and I achieved it. So, yeah. You, 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 had, you had the opportunity to sit next to me on the desk. I mean, that's, hey, listen, that, that is, is the, the highlight top of, of the... Of, my life of my career Kenny <laughs> sitting talking to you and just you know getting fashion tips hearing you know, just 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 soaking in the greatness it's amazing <laughs> at the time that other stuff you did I guess UFC champ yeah. whatever ultimate fighter champ that, those are cool too yeah yeah, yeah not bad not bad <laughs> well uh total inspiration man i know hollywood is calling but as i've said to you privately i hope to see you to my right calling fights at some point in time man i'd put you up against any tv analysts we have and you know that uh we look forward to your ufc hall of fame induction whenever that goes down michael bisping congratulations to you to the family uh and hopefully you guys can take some time to to enjoy this decision because you deserve it. thanks guys i really appreciate it uh keep up the good work on the podcast and once again just want to say uh you know Thank you to everyone that supported me along the way, everyone in the UK and around the world that supported me. If it wasn't for that support, you know, again, I wouldn't have achieved, achieved half of what I have done. So thank you to everybody. It's bittersweet. Thanks for all the kind messages. And thanks to my wife, children. Love you all. And yeah, it's a sad day for me, but uh, it's a necessary day. It's well-deserved, man. Congratulations and uh, safe travels out there. Hope to see you soon, dude. Cheers, guys. Keep it up. All the best. Now with us on the guest line, one of the best lightweights in the world who nine days ago finished Anthony Showtime Pettis in what was his third UFC main event. Dustin Poirier with us live in Louisiana. Dustin, appreciate your time today, man. How's it going? Going good, man. Just uh, getting back to my house from New Orleans. Watch the Saints game. Yeah, I saw that you were at the Saints game yesterday. You stayed for that whole thing. They were down a couple scores late, but, but came back and won it in overtime, I believe. Yeah, man. Uh, a lot of people were leaving. The stands started getting empty, and then we came back. It was awesome. Yeah, I stayed for the whole thing. Good. So you've won 14 UFC fights, but only a handful of times you've been able to go home and celebrate a win with your daughter there. I know every UFC win has got to be sweet in its own right, but any extra emotion triggered for you now that you're fighting with, with that sense of purpose behind it as well? Right. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, uh, I'm, I'm really focused on being a smarter fighter and uh, taking less damage throughout training camps, taking less damage in fights. You know, I, I, it's a different, I'm fighting for a lot of different, different reasons now. Yeah. I always say like, as a commentator, there's nothing like coming home from one of these trips to China to see your kids. I couldn't even imagine like winning a fight and getting to walk in the door and hug your daughter. But you know, we wanted to have you on today because in this current UFC landscape, I think too often it's just like on to the next show and it doesn't leave a lot of time to acknowledge and appreciate what has happened. Uh, so arguably the biggest win of your career not all that long ago. I mean, how did you assess the fight relative to uh, to your expectations going in? 
you know, man, the fight kind of <clears throat> unfolded the way we thought it would. We thought we'd be able to get him down on the fence. We thought uh, he would kick less if I stayed in his face. Um, it, it really went smooth. I knew his, he's been working on his wrestling and his, and his uh, you know, counter-wrestling. But I knew once I got him down, I, th- I felt like I was going to be able to ride him out. He, he turned into my guard a few times when I had the body triangle, which, you know, was pretty impressive. And he ended up getting back on top a few times. We knew he had a very active guard, so we were, you know, I was prepared for that. I knew he was going to be nonstop throwing up submissions, and uh, it really, like I said, man, it unfolded the way we really thought it would. Well, Dustin, it really couldn't have gone any better, man. What, what does this do for your confidence? Not only did you beat a former champion in Anthony Pettis, but you finished him. Right. I, I mean, I'm confident, man. I feel like I can beat anybody in the world, uh, but I just need to show up and be prepared and and just have fun out there um i I thought i was going to finish him i just you know 25 minutes between two guys like like me and him i I didn't think it was going to go that long you know i knew somebody was going to get finished and and i really thought it was going to be him i I thought i was going to knock him out on the feet honestly uh you know how frustrated are you right now with with uh conor mcgregor the fact that you know now it seems like he's probably not going to fight for another maybe six months or longer um, you know, the, the division kind of seems like it's being held up a little bit. Um, you know, you're one of the top contenders out there right now. Uh, is it frustrating? And, and what, what can you do about it? Is there anything the fighters can do about this to, to make sure that the champion uh, defends his belt? Man, I'm not sure what the fighters can do, but I'd like to see it cleared up. And, you know, it's really muddy waters, man. I, it, the fight between Edson and Khabib is going to help out, but Tony needs to unify that belt you know I don't like the interim champ thing I think there needs to be one champion and then uh, you know Justin and uh, Eddie are going to fight that's going to clear it, clear it up a little bit a lot of the top guys are booked right now I mean Nate Diaz is number 6 he hasn't fought in, in the lightweight division in, in years uh, so I don't know what's going on but I think these next few months it'll, it'll start unfolding but as far as Connor man I, is he going to fight at 55 is he going to box again what's going on something needs to happen do you think it would be right for the UFC to strip him and just make Tony Ferguson the champ? Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know. I'd hate to see a guy get stripped of the belt. You know, the guy earned it. But what are some of the the past stuff they've done with other champions who haven't defended in in, in over a year? You know, I'd go off of that. If they've stripped people before for not defending in, in eighteen months or whatever it's going to be, you know, then maybe take the belt from. We got guys Dustin. working and, 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 you know, trying to get that goal. So you did your camp, obviously, at American Top Team here in South Florida. But was this the first fight since you moved back to Louisiana or the second one? This was uh, my first fight back. My first full camp going to Florida was, you know, just packing my gear and my family and, and renting a place and, and staying there for 12 weeks. This was my first time doing it. And, and I got to say, man, it was pretty smooth and it's, it's nice. At this point in my career, you know, 36 fights in to have a little bit of separation between everyday life and training camp. Yeah. You know, I mean, my whole, my, the last 10 years of my life, I've been living in training camp. Everywhere I'm at, it's just I'm training and fighting and training. So, you know, I'm back here in Louisiana between fights and I got buddies and, and local fighters who I can help prepare. I have a gym here. Uh, I'm having fun. And then when it's when it's time to really crunch down and, and get to get to the business, I go out to Florida and, and lock myself away. Well, one for one, man. The results certainly speak for themselves. And, and I guess your daughter's not in school yet, so she can come along and, and everything works out. Right. 
So a couple rapid-fire questions with you on the way out here. So Daniel Cormier, and you know this, he says that you and not him are the king of Lafayette, Louisiana, and now you're living back in your home state. So uh, there's no argument anymore. But who's the bigger New Orleans Saints fan? Is, is he the bigger football guy than you are? I mean, I was at the game Sunday, so what do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Did you did you play any other sports uh, growing up? And, and if so, what was your best sport? I played football. Uh when I was younger, yeah, man. Even a little bit in high school. I bet you could crack. All right, um, Forrest crack. Griffin. I know you could. All right, Forrest Griffin, he talks to me a lot about overpopulation. He told me to stop after two kids. So over under two and a half kids for Dustin Poirier. Under. Under. Smart man. Under, man. One, maybe a couple years ago I thought, uh, you know, but now one is a handful. I can only imagine. You, yeah. you know, more than two. All right, finally, toughest fight for you at 155 pounds. Is it Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson, Khabib Nurmagomedov, or, or someone I'm not mentioning? Uh, that's tough to say, but probably keeping Khabib off your legs and, and building back up when he does get takedowns or stopping him for, you know, 25 minutes would be the toughest fight, the most grinding fight. Most contenders won't even answer that question, but I know you're confident enough in, in your skills against all these guys. Uh, if you get your shot, uh, you'll maximize it. So hopefully that first UFC title shot comes for you at some point in 2018. As for 2017, unbeaten all year, and I got to think nice to get that main event in before the holidays. So thank you for the time, my man. We just wanted to shine a little spotlight on you because the schedule keeps going and, and you deserve it. So wish you the best, and, uh, and hopefully we'll catch up before your next fight, man. I appreciate that, man. Thank you, guys. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.